to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And welcome to episode, drumroll please, 102. John, we've been doing this for two years. This is our anniversary episode. <laughs> One, oh, it's 104, actually. Oh, 104. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I knew that. That's all right. <laughs> I guess. I guess. So that's how unedited we are. That's how raw this is going to be tonight because we're going to do a special episode. This is not a math podcast. This, is, not- a, <laughs> <laughs> this is a different one. This is not. Yeah. We, this, is, uh, this is. Yeah. You don't have to do math well to know Jesus. You might have already, yeah, you might have already been able to tell, but we are outside this week. Yes. Out on the patio. Birds the sun are is setting. We decided, you know, it's our two-year anniversary episode. We're going to have a little fun. So we're sitting outside watching the sun go down. And if you can forgive us the slight dip in audio quality, we don't think it's that bad. We think it's worth it. We think it's worth it. And here's what we're going to do today. We're going to tell a joke each. Normally, it's joker story time. We're going to both tell a joke. Mm-hmm. Make up for lost time a yeah, little bit. Because... We believe that through answering all the questions you've submitted, there will be stories woven into our answers. Mm-hmm. We're also going to forego the commercial break today, and we're going to forego media review time or show and tell. Because we're just here to have a good time. We're this just week. laughing and having a good time. So uh, pull up a chair, uh, get you a drink with an umbrella in it, <laughs> pretend you're on the beach listening to your two buds answer questions that maybe one of you submitted. Yeah. Okay. So for a joke, do you have one? I do. You want to go first or should I? Uh, go ahead. You said you have a really bad joke, so I'll follow up with a really good one. So the problem is, I would say it's the worst joke that either of us have told, but I might have told it already. That's so, even worse. I Not know. only is it a bad joke, it, it can't. Bad the only joke, joke you ever told, I thought, was the afraid not. I thought so too, but for some reason this feels so familiar. But I'm going to say it anyway because okay. it's, it's it's one of my favorites. What is Vin Diesel's favorite Disney movie? <laughs> <laughs> we could have a, a dad joke contest like they do, you know, where see if if we can make each other oh, laugh yeah, with yeah. bad jokes. <laughs> Vin Diesel's favorite Disney movie? Uh-huh. Wreck-It Ralph. Beauty and the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> <laughs> that is only funny to you, and that's what makes it funny, is that you laugh. You laugh every time you tell that joke. Yeah, I love that joke. That's but I recognize how abjectly disgusting it is yeah. as far as humor quality. Well, my joke is about Texas Aggies. So oh in word. Texas, we have a university there called Texas A&M, and they uh-huh. are the Aggies. And I grew up, you know, some people grew up in the Northeast telling Pollock jokes. Which is completely wrong. That's what you are. Well, that's politically incorrect. It's wrong. <laughs> okay. But uh, I'm just having fun with you. But yeah. uh, we told Aggie jokes. So um, this guy uh, wanted to have his front porch painted. Sure. And so he uh, was talking to his neighbors about, you know, you guys know anybody that could paint my front porch for me for a good price. And one of them, had, he would graduated from Texas A&M. So he said, I got this buddy from college. He's in between jobs. He could probably do it. Okay, so he said, uh, have him come over, and um, I'll leave the paint on the porch, and have him paint the porch, and then I'll pay him. The guy's like, cool. So the day came, and the saggy shows up to paint, and uh, the paint's there on the porch for him, so he goes to work. Mm-hmm. And a couple hours into the job, uh, he gets a text from his buddy who got him the job, and he says, hey, how's it going painting that porch? He said, man, it's great. It's a beautiful color. 
But it's not a porch, it's a BMW. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad, huh? That's not a bad one. I like that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's I was waiting for it to be like uh like I didn't know if this if he was gonna be so dumb he didn't know what paint was or like oh, or yeah. he went to the wrong address. It's very funny. It's very yeah. it's it's yeah. more subtle than that. Yeah. Do you hear about the Aggie that uh, bought snow tires? No. They melted. <laughs> so this is what most of those Oh, I Aggie could go all night. Like. Did you know, did you hear about the Aggie that saw the movie Guess Who's Coming to Dinner three times and guessed wrong every time? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. I, that's a very uh, culturally specific joke, so I'm glad you gave the context. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, shall we dive into these questions? Yeah, and uh, we will answer... Keep sending us questions. We we gave a, a a good buffer of time to get these in, and uh, but we will answer questions. We'll do another one of these at some point, and uh, we just love hearing from you anyway. So if you yeah. didn't make it in time for this, uh, still send in your question, and we'll find some place to. We might even add a feature, uh, uh, listener mail. Yeah, and 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 do that instead of the media review, or just add that to the uh, to a regular episode. Hey, here's a question we got, and let's tackle it in real time. But, for sure, uh, we have. It turns out we have. Eight questions, and they range from um, interesting to serendipitous to serious. Serendipitous. It, would that be the right word? Did I don't I know. Word, right? What are you? What are you trying to say? Like, um, um, feel good. Yeah. Okay. I thought serendipity it, was like luck, kind of. Uh, no, I think you're wrong. Well, all right. I you're, believe you're you. the word guy. No, but, I believe you. But I, I don't know. I think serendipitous means like sentimental or. Um, Fond. Okay. In my head, if a like British duke from the 1800s were to roll a <laughs> uh, a uh, a uh, strike in bowling, he yeah. would say serendipity. No, no. But Dick Vitale during March Madness, he would say serendipity, baby. <laughs> uh, whenever a guy would slam dunk or make a really cool pass. So you might have something there. I'm going to do my best to quiet what you just did to that microphone. But <laughs> listeners, I'm so sorry if, I, if I'm not able to. <laughs> yeah, Dick Vitale's the best. <laughs> okay, so what do we got for our first question? Okay, first question. What's one piece of advice, John, you would give your high school self? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I hmm, Do you have one locked and loaded? Because I've got to think for a second. Uh. Yeah, I think I would tell my high school self to be more adventurous, be be more fearless. Yeah. Um I had opportunities to do some things that I passed up on because I just didn't I was they were out of my comfort zone. And I would say get out of your comfort zone. You'll be glad you did. You'll never regret leaving your comfort zone. That's what I would tell my younger self. Um I probably have a pile of advice I'd like to give my younger self, but sure. that's the one that comes to mind because for example, my mother, my dad had died before I graduated high school. My mother told me, get your buddies to get their parents to give them a trip to Hawaii, and you and some friends go to Hawaii. I'll pay for yours uh, okay. for your graduation gift. Yeah. Well, none of my buddies could pull it off. So mom said, well, just go by yourself. And I have kicked myself a thousand times for not going to Hawaii by myself, but I just couldn't do it. 
That sounds, uh, you're generally pretty okay by yourself, but it sounds kind of lonely. In high school, I wasn't. I would never eat a meal alone. I wouldn't Mm. go and, like, if I was eating alone in a restaurant, I thought people would think I'm a loser. Like, I don't have any friends. Well, now I love to eat alone. Well, I love being alone, but that sounds very lonely to me. Flying to Hawaii by myself and just being there for a weekend. We had gone my freshman year of high school, so it would have been, you know, within three years of going. Okay. So it would have been a little familiar, but I, I like, like you, I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine checking into a hotel by myself yeah you know stuff i'd never done yeah how do you, in those days uber didn't exist how do i get from the hotel from the airport to the hotel how do i do anything <laughs> i just i just was too intimidated to do it yeah but there are other things too like you know uh, being a part of certain activities getting more involved in some things i wish i had tried out for football i played high school mm-hmm. hockey it wasn't a high school sport but i played in high school and I have regretted a, a ton not trying out for football my sophomore year. Could you have done both? My, oh, yeah. And my dad talked me out of it. Oh. And, what uh, for? Uh, he wanted me to work. wanted me to make money. Gotcha. What about you? Yeah. This advice you'd give your high school self. I would um, – this sounds churchy and simple, but it's really it really is from the bottom of my heart. I'd tell him to read the Bible just to, to quit wasting time. I told um, your high school self to do that. Yeah, it doesn't land the same coming from your dad as it no, does from your future self walking through a portal <laughs> in the wall. <laughs> hey, yeah, look at how you turned out. Yeah, he'd probably like the beard, but that's, <laughs> that's probably about it. Uh, and I tell him I was mopey. I was really mopey, and uh, early on in high school, like freshman through like sophomore. And so there's only so much you can do about that, you know. Like I thought about telling him to like. Reach out more and try and make more friends, but I know that that was that was never going to happen. So yeah, you can't you can't change his personality. Right, exactly. Um, but just being less uh, less critical, maybe. I don't know. This is this is too many pieces of advice. But, yeah, that's but, good enough. Let's stop yeah. right there. Okay, let's go to question number two. John, do you believe in aliens, uh, life on other planets? I actually don't. Uh, you do not. I don't. No, that surprises me. Yeah. It's Why not, don't you? It's not a conviction of mine. So, like, if if aliens were to come down. And, you know, say we come in peace, do the whole spiel. Uh, I'd be like, oh, wow. We, why do they always say that? They either say we come in peace or take me to your leader. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably from some movie that we haven't seen and yet is quoted all the time. Uh, I don't believe in aliens because um, I think when you're looking at the story of God, uh, humankind, to be boastful for a second, really is... Um, the central focal point of God's attention and creation. and creation and affection. That doesn't seem, not that he's not big enough for multiple races, but you think about the nature of God, you think about the Trinity and how we are made in God's image. If we're made in God's image and there are other sentient creatures also made in God's image, we would be the same. We would be, I mean, how many images does he really have? Maybe he's got a lot, but you think about the Trinity and Jesus. If he is 100% man, there cannot be another Jesus who is a hundred percent floor blag or whatever you know, like whatever the name of the species is. Uh, so most of them, they're theologically theology based. Excuse me, not um, you know, not scientifically based. Exactly. I would say you know I've always said no when I was your age. I would have said rapidly no before you grew up, before I aged and got more humble and open minded. <laughs> sure, but I would say that it is surprising. That our race and our human experience is enough to occupy the mental capacities of God. Hmm. So the only reason I have a maybe is because 
the galaxies are enormous. Yeah. God is limitless. Would he not have just some other thing going on on the side over there? Maybe we're on the side. Maybe there's a, uh, you know. God so, has some family in the, in another state that we don't know about. <laughs> or we're the other family. <laughs> no, I, 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 with you, I, I don't think there are. But I, could, but I, I would certainly not be surprised that God has the capacity to be doing something somewhere else yeah. that is super legitimate and pretty cool. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pivot, John, and give you a question that just got sent to me from a listener. Oh, wow. So this is hot off the press. Mid-recording. Yes. What are the best parts of having a project like Upstream? Hmm. This this listener also said, and when do I get to be a guest? <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on the guest part. Yeah. But, uh, John, what's the best parts of having a project like Upstream? Uh, there's honestly quite a bit. Uh, there's It gives you a sense of uh, structure in your off time that I personally didn't really have. Um, so... I have, it's less consuming or less like, um, you know, the duty is still there, but it's not another job. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, so it gives you something worthwhile to do rather right. than sit around and stream video games all night or something. <laughs> you uh, sounded about 80 when you said that, but yeah, that's, <laughs> the sentiment is correct. I have structure through the week and structure day to day on what I need to get done. Um, it is... It could be, well, okay, well, we'll give an update on our uh, personal projects here later on this episode, but uh, it is creatively stimulating in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and challenging in others. We already, the whole point of this podcast is that we were already having these conversations. Yeah. So this doesn't... Um, this, well, it does make the conversations happen every week. Well, exactly. So it makes it, it makes us have more of them, but I meant to say that it's not really... Um, I, we were already having questions like this but it makes them happen more often and of varying natures we couldn't have the same conversation here every week you guys would would back out you'd get bored so it makes us have a variety of conversations that we hadn't had yet um there's a whole lot do you have a what yeah for you? I, I would say you know for me what i what i love about it um is getting to spend time with you and do this with you for sure i mean and um, we me and Lindsay come over to record once a week so yeah. we're having dinner over here at least once a week yeah and it gives me a chance to actually keep having faith-centered conversations with you, you know, conversations about discipleship and culture. Sure. So I get to do that more structured than with any of my other kids. I think one of the things I love about it, too, I had never thought of, but one of your sisters had a friend who listened to the podcast a few times, and his feedback was, you know, he said his mother had died. Mm. And he said, "I I have a little voicemail from my mom on my phone that I've never erased because I want to keep hearing her voice. You have archives of episodes from your dad, and your sister started crying and saying, whoa, whoa, my dad's <laughs> never going to die, so you right. can just stop this conversation right here. Yeah, But it does make me feel cool that there is an archive of material that if I, you know, I'm not going to outlive my grandkids or anything, so th- it can be in perpetuity to, to my kids, my grandkids. I like that as well. And sure. I'm a big believer in the... Uh, you know, we we speak to women as well, but I really crave a movement of passionate men Christians. Um, yeah, I think the culture's starving for them, and I would I, I do value that we're doing some small part of helping men be better followers of Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah, I I definitely was more more uh, self centered on my answer than you. So 
hopefully, if you're listening, no, I very much do appreciate you. It's not. It's not about that. But the question was was more. I thought. Yeah. Why do you enjoy the project? Right. Right. So. Yeah. But that is a big part of it for me yeah. too. Yeah. All right. Question number three. Why are people so drawn to conspiracy theories? Mm. Well, specifically, I'll correct you on the the question. Yeah. Why are American Christians currently so uh, consumed with conspiracy theories? Yeah. And QAnon and. Uh-huh. And we believe this question actually deserves an entire episode. So we're going to do an episode in the coming weeks about this topic because yeah. we're going to do a little more research. And we believe this com- this question actually is a really important one. All these questions are important, but this one is very it, – it, it's it's a complicated one, and I think it deserves an entire episode. But, John, what's your first blush rapid response to why this is such a uh, a time – for American Christians to become obsessed with conspiracy theories? Well, I think um, there's already obviously an existing, really strong existing bond between uh, American evangelicalism and conservatism, you know, and the political connection there. Um, And then I think we talked about this a lot in the um, Social Dilemma episode about the documentary The Social Dilemma. And I personally, I'm buying what they're uh, selling about that, that uh, that a lot of this is actually through um, targeted ad campaigns and through the spread of social media. Yeah, so that certainly fed it and uh, poured gas on the fire because right. it's, it gives you more of what you like to read. So yeah. then you start having your your feed saturated with it, and you think this is what everybody's feed is saturated with. Exactly. And uh, and then they actually, through these targeted ads, they pigeonhole you further and further and further into a niche until you are actually very far removed from the baseline kind of media yeah, mainstream Facebook experience. Yeah. And um, I think there's always been, like, if you were to go pre-social media, say, like, kind of stereotypical, like, Richard Nixon loving guy on his mowing his lawn on, on like, a Saturday in the <laughs> 70s or 80s, uh, I think he is as skeptical of a lot of things as as the modern conspiracy theorist loving uh christian uh but now it's it is uh, i don't know it's like then there was a, a base baseline there was like well the the government the american government can be trusted the commun you know maybe they're maybe my neighbor's a communist but the american government can be trusted and, and i now think it's like yeah. the ground's given out and i think there's an attachment there to the conservatism because uh-huh. when the government was more conservative and when conservatives were more in power, when the country looked and felt and respected more the Christian perspective, sure, then we trusted our government. Right now, when that, they didn't trust the Democrats, skeeving on the other, on right? The other side. And now that now that we don't have political power, and now that we um, are in some ways ostracized or pigeonholed, you know, most not most much of the culture would say a Christian is a person who hates gays, votes Republican, and won't recycle. Sure. And so when you have that kind of deal it makes you start uh distrusting along with 2008 and failed organizations and blah 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 blah, that there's a there's a growing distrust in the government and and so i think there's a that's going to be a fun episode to explore deeper yeah for sure all right uh number four tell us a story from your teenage years uh i have a few um I didn't have as much fun. If you could tell, my stories for story time are either before or after high school. I just called that number four, but we threw in the extra question. So that was actually number five. Oh, yeah. And we're going to be at nine. So, listeners, if you're wanting to keep pace with kind of how long this episode is, we're at question number five, and we're going to nine. Okay. So we're making pretty good pace here. So, John, question five, tell us a story. You said you have a lot of stories. 
but you have one that you want to tell? No, I was I was saying the exact opposite. Oh, you don't saying, have a lot of stories. No, my, my my stories for story time are normally before or after high school. That's oh, what I was saying. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but uh, there was one time. So this will tell you how kind of, at least how I view myself during high school is very, um, very much a caricature of a just a weird, weird, lonely kid. <laughs> very strange. So I was leaving. Uh, I was leaving my geometry class, and I was I was a sophomore, mm-hmm. and. Um, and there was a test. So it was, I'll, I'll tell two half stories in okay. the same class. Okay. There was a test for geometry. I've never really been that into math. I actually had to have a tutor for math going into my freshman year. And after that, I was okay. It's, I've never been like particularly slow at it, but it's never really been my thing. And uh, we had a quiz. And I had used a lesson that, or a method that was taught to us about a month ago. I had used that to solve a problem on this chapter's quiz. And I got the right answer, and I was docked half a point by not using the correct method. And I... Well, that doesn't seem fair. I put up a fight, and I got my half a point back, duking it out in front of the class with my teacher. Very uncharacteristic of me, yes. That's not like you. No, I don't know what happened. So you took him on in front of the whole class. Her, yeah. Or her, for a half point. For a half point. And it wasn't the point. You know that. It was the the principal. Uh, And so I don't know what the deal... I don't know what, what even happened. Because also in this class, one time I was leaving the class... And um, and someone bumps me or something, and I bump into this girl who I don't really know, uh, but I know she's she's uh, popular. She's dating some football player, and uh, knock her into a desk. And in my weird, detached from reality, paranoid mind, I was convinced that that some that there's gonna be there's gonna be uh, that I was in deep trouble. Like some football guy's gonna come beat you. Yeah, up she was gonna like have some kind of weird. And and now with hindsight. I realize how inane that is, how actually, like, completely not uh, uh, plausible that is, that there would be some plot. I was already 6'3 at the time. I That's was not- true. You were intimidating, although you didn't know you were intimidating. Right. And because you were – the other thing about you, John, in your childhood, people may not know this, but you lived in your head all the time. So I would look yeah. over at you. And you would be looking up in different parts of the sky and making little, and you were envisioning these. I did that in high school too. Did you really? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know, you had a lot of imagination in your world. So that that uh, I'm in trouble now moment. Yeah, probably came out of those imaginary worlds. I, I like to think now I have more of a, a firm separation between the two. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember they that don't story blend anymore. Yeah, I remember that story when I um, when I start to think when I when I have the suspicion I might be thinking kind of unrealistically. Yeah, and how real it can feel at the time. Yeah, and it probably was something close to an anxiety kind of thing going oh, on yeah. there. Yeah. Um. So those are my two half high school stories. I don't think later on for me high school separated in the first two and the second two years. The second two years I had friends and uh, kind of kind of grew up a little bit. Uh, first years were weird, very weird and very challenging, but yeah. yeah. And look how you turned out. So yeah, if you're a high school listener and your life is weird and challenging, there's hope for you. There is. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing much better now. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I was thinking about high school hockey, uh, okay. playing hockey and I have one story in particular, but this is what hockey was like. So I started playing when I was 12. And uh, our family, we were not Christians. We were not church attending. Sure. You know, so we didn't have a faith compass. So life was different for us than what you grew up with. John. Sure. 
So anyway, uh, my dad sent me to hockey school in Canada for 12 days. I came back. I was really good by Texas standards. Yeah. And it's, I, um, I love that story because it's crazy how, how much 12 days can really uh, Oh, man. Really and you're you. playing hockey for like six hours a day. So okay. they really put us through the – and it was amazing. Anyway, uh, so I made the travel team after that. And so every other weekend we would be on the road. And my mom would usually take the road trips with me. And my dad would uh, often. Sure. But my hotel room would be the one all the kids wanted to come hang out in because we would fill the bathtub up with ice and turn it into a big ice chest and put beer in there. Wow. So ours was the room. That <laughs> Very had, different high school experience. Yeah, that had beer for the other kids, the other players. Or we would clear out the ice tub, the bathtub and turn it into a craps table and gamble in there. <laughs> my word. Uh, but anyway. Uh, this is like a, a movie version of high school. This is uh, – <laughs> Uh, I can't think of any high school. Yeah. Now, so uh, I'm going to tell a story that sounds like I'm name dropping, but it's a it's a it's a it's just the story that came to my mind. Sure. So uh, I I uh, became friends with Mike Ditka's family, his two sons, Mike Jr. and Mark. Uh-huh. They were uh, actually a year on either side of me. So one Mike was a year older than me. Mark was a year younger than me. And there were occasions where Mark and I were on the same hockey team. And did he play football, too, or just hockey? Just hockey. Mark was small. Mark's okay. not, not a big guy. Mike Jr. is a pretty big dude. Gotcha. And what we, we – so Mark and I played hockey together for several years, but uh, the three of us would play golf together. And um, Mike Jr. was a stud golfer. Now, I want you to keep going, but I believe you've told this story before. I have? About uh, him hitting him in the knee with the ball? Yeah, and then a stranger coming over and tackling him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to pause right there. <laughs> uh, well, not everyone here has listened to all of our episodes. All right. You know, I'll pivot to the um, the the father-son hockey game then. Uh, okay. One season where Mike himself got on the ice with us. And uh, so it was father-son. My dad didn't play because he couldn't skate. Sure. Um, and he so, wouldn't do anything that he wouldn't be able to win at. Exactly. Right? But uh mike Ditka got out there and uh i took him in the corner and wore him out <laughs> i drove him into the corner i i was a dumb kid i I thought i was having fun sure i didn't realize how hard i hit him and you know none of us are wearing helmets because it's kind of play time and uh he actually went into the corner and did one of those <gasps> you know kind of things so, that, so you know it's kind of cool it's one of my life uh high moments that i that i knocked the wind out of mike Ditka. yeah he was probably Pretty elderly at that point, wasn't he? No, he wasn't <laughs> elderly. <laughs> no, he wasn't. I was going to say, I don't, how proud are you really of laying out an old man in your in the prime of your life? Question number six, John. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. How did you know that you were picking the right wife? That's a good one. I uh, early on in the in podcasting, I told the story, and it I, even on editing it, I I thought I sounded like. A real schlub. I sounded like, uh, well, here's my wife now. And then I got married. There's like, <laughs> It sounded very dispassionate. And, what is uh, a schlub? I don't know. I wonder if it's Yiddish. Schlub. I just bought a t-shirt from uh, my new favorite boot company. Uh-huh. And uh, they're called slubs. Different. It's not okay. schlub. It's slub. And uh, I think that turns out to be a fabric, but I don't know what schlub is. Schlub, I just imagine like kind of like a... Kind of... A bump on the log. Yeah, a little uh, unmotivated... Eeyore. Yeah, but yeah, haven't haven't really oh, bathed recently. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. All right, so anyway, how'd you know? So I knew uh, when I was thinking about it, and uh, you know, we were dating um, not all that long, um, but I was thinking, 
I bet you there isn't a more compatible woman for me that I would uh, uh, conceivably find in my in my walk about the earth. I bet you this is about as compatible as it gets, and I and that was on top of actual you know chemistry and a physical affection and, and attraction. Right. It was thinking well, logistically, would marriage be smart? And I was like, well, if it wouldn't work with her, then I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life because it couldn't work with anybody. <laughs> like if this, because we were because we were so compatible, sim- compatible, similar, and yeah. similar. I thought that if if this marriage would not work, then I would have to then then conceivably it wouldn't work with anybody. Wow. And uh, I want to preface this, or or not preface. It's too late to preface it. I want to also say that um, I I would. I would probably say I have a maybe more grounded view of marriage and romance than 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 some other people. Like I don't have the Disney the one person for you kind of thing. Okay, not soulmates and all that. Right, and so it wasn't that this woman is perfect. Yeah, she has to be my soulmate. It was uh, I don't know. I I, I emotionally loved her already, and we were just so compatible. It just made it made too much sense. There and it, uh, the reason why early on it sounded schlubby was because I was like. I kind of just accepted it, but in a positive way, it just made too much sense. That's interesting. So I remember one time when you were maybe a freshman in high school, uh-huh. you and I met for coffee after school, and you said, what would you do today? And I said, well, I had a premarital counseling appointment. And you said, what are you guys doing there? And I said, oh, we you know, we talk about communication and conflict uh-huh. and blah, blah, blah. And you said, um, you said, what would be the single – uh, most important thing to look for. And I said, uh, I said, you know, couples who ha- come from very similar backgrounds, who have very similar families of origin, yeah, uh, have fewer uh, conflicts and challenges than couples who come from opposite ends of a kind of a social spectrum. Sure. And um, that is certainly you and Lindsay. Your worlds are not totally similar, but your personalities are. Yeah. And uh, your views on the world are very, very similar. Yeah. And I, uh, you've given me some flack for not remembering a lot of your life lessons that you've given me. But that one I remembered. I remembered that one very much. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So for me, um, you know, people ask Sue and I over the years when we were youth pastoring or whatever, we've had people ask us, tell us how you met. Tell us, how you, tell us your love story. <laughs> sure. And uh, it's not a pretty story. Mm. Uh, because I was a knucklehead. So um, we met. We had a mutual friend introduce us. Uh, I fell fast and hard. Uh, We had our first date on Halloween, and I asked her to marry me in January and gave her a ring. Wait, what? Yeah, it was like that. three months? I think so. I don't remember that. I may be getting a little fuzzy here, but uh, it was fast. And uh, But then... um, I, I I did what we call in our family the Chipman phase out. Um, there's a friend of ours <laughs> named Jason Chipman, and I remember a teenager asked him. Well, actually, it was one of my kids. I think it might have been uh, Bethany, might have, one of our kids, mm-hmm. asked him, "How do I get out of this relationship?" And he said, "Man, you give them what I call the Chipman phase out. You just uh, you know you start responding slower to their calls and texts, and and then you you break dates, and then you ha- you get too busy." And yeah. they'll eventually go away. 
Now, I don't. The Chipman phase out sounds to me like you would use it on a casual girlfriend, not quite a fiance. not a fiance. Yeah, I think that's some 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 it's professional. Sick. It's yeah. I was I was clinically a mess. NFL level Chipman phase out. <laughs> <laughs> NFL level. Uh, anyway, I was a knucklehead, uh-huh. and um, yeah, it got painful. Then um, I tried to win her back that next summer. And um, it was hard. She put me through the paces, man. Good. I had to. Uh, I had to really prove myself. But I did. <laughs> and um, so, all that to say, um, once I now say to young people who are not married yet, yeah. if you go to your wedding day and you're not absolutely terrified, then you have no idea what you're about to do. Because 80% of your future happiness or heartache is going to come from this decision. You better make it wisely. And if that doesn't scare you, then you don't understand how serious this is. Yeah. And so I went to my wedding day fat, dumb, and happy. I had <laughs> – I didn't – I, you know, once I made the decision, I never second-guessed it. Yeah. Um, and because divorce is just not an option for me, um, the marriage has been great. But even if it was hard, even if it was harder than it's ever been, whatever, um, I'm not going to run. So – yeah. Uh, we both have that commitment, and we have we we love each other more today than we ever have, and so I think uh, I think I I think the short answer to the question is I don't know how I knew, and hmm. uh, we both say to each other all the time how God protected us from a horrific decision because we knew so little about each other. This could have gone bad just as easily as it went well. Sure. <laughs> I think, uh, and I want to uh, make a note. What, I, what I'm worried about with my message was that someone would be in a relationship, could hear that message and go, well, I don't, maybe the, I think there could be someone better for me out there. Oh, so I'm going to run from this one right. and look for the better one. And that's not at all what I was trying to, what I was trying to impart. Um, I was just confident. Yeah. And maybe, and again, I could have been overconfident probably, but you I were, feel, you I, were confident and you were comfortable uh-huh. and you couldn't imagine being more comfortable. Right. So even like when I would think about like you know what would a relationship with that woman look like it 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 would think like they would want me to go outside more often you know they, they like they would want me to go on hikes and stuff that like, is huh. hilarious I don't know oh my gosh but they anyway. probably wouldn't read a book with me for two hours and call that fun <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> on to the next question okay number uh, uh, seven. Seven of nine, right? Seven of nine. Uh, we're in the home stretch here. What's your biggest faith struggle or God question? Oh that, man, that you wrestle with today? Yeah. Um, I recently, lately, have been um, blessed with with focus. I don't have. I have a lot of issues with focus. I have a lot of feelings of uh, uh, historically with with God of just feeling like nothing makes sense. I don't know what's. I don't know what's up. What's down. Um, and I'm just kind of floating. And uh, for the past probably a while now, it feels recent, but it's been a while. I've felt very focused. Like I feel like I um, I know a lot more what I believe and uh, about the nature of God. But uh, I have moments of detachment, the questions that kind of blindside me. And a big one recently, we talked about it. It was probably now about a year ago. Well, no, it was it was actually I have a, a landmark event next to it. So it was probably around October of, of, of 20. So not even that long ago. But it was about salvation. It was about because I hadn't really um, investigated the modern evangelical claim of you say the prayer, you're in the you're in the uh-huh, club, right, and you make it into the clubhouse. 
you know. And what if you don't say the prayer, or can right. you just follow Jesus and? Well, it was it was less than that than it was the other way of oh well if it's not just saying the prayer then where's the line uh, you know and how do you know you crossed it exactly so so that is still a big thing of mine where I still don't have a great answer to that I I think more and more I lean that it is um, that it is both as with as with a lot of things of God we talk about the tension of God or the two things being true at once that it is a um, a um, not necessarily verbal dedication, but a but a dedication and then the effort to follow it through. Though the, it it hits rocks when I when I look at passages that are um, behavior based, mm-hmm. and when I think, well, if we don't have a works based faith, then why does why do we talk so much about works even in the New Testament, even in the right. New Testament letters? Right. Why is so much of it about behavior? Yeah, and I still have struggles with that. That's why it's that's why I listed here. That's probably my biggest one. You know, uh, I struggled for a while with the salvation thing. Yeah. Because, uh, for example, I thought you have to know the moment. Like, you, you have to have this moment. Right. This, uh, Become this, the Jesus moment. Yeah, this moment. And if you haven't had a moment, then you're probably not a Christian. Yeah. That's how I felt naively because I had a moment. I had a dramatic moment. Sure. But I'm married to a woman who just believed in God from the time she could think right and so god has been very natural to her she loves him she's always loved him she doesn't remember ever not loving him Mm. so there's no moment for her and so then i would read you know nicodemus and jesus and jesus say to nicodemus unless you're born of the water and the spirit you cannot enter the kingdom for sure well you can't be born and not recognize a moment (laughs) that's a moment right yeah so that was a big hurdle for me for a long time it's not the one i currently have but i can identify with what you were saying of that being a Kind of a weird thing to get your brain brain around. Well, I don't have a moment, you know. You know, same, same thing for mom. Yeah, I do distinctly remember doing the prayer. Yeah. after a Wednesday night service when I was probably in third or fourth grade. Oh, really? Yeah, but in my room alone. Yeah, had a Bible and said the prayer. But I don't, you know. But that doesn't feel like a moment to you. No, but I can remember it for some reason. The clouds didn't part. Right. <laughs> right. You and especially. Weep. You didn't uh, weep for your dreadfully sinful life at four years old? Not quite. And uh, fourth grade. So fourth a little, grade, a yeah. Than that. But right. I definitely, I did a good deal of uh, of sinning between <laughs> then and, you know, now. So, like, thinking yeah. of, like, the transformation. Yeah. I've never had what I would call a moment of transformation. That's been a big a yeah. tr- a struggle for me, too. Yeah. So my current struggle, uh, biggest question, is all about hell. And you and I have been talking off air about this quite a bit. Yeah. And I'm I'm struggling getting my arms around, and I have been for a while. We've listened to a couple of podcasts that that exacerbated this, but I have for actually a few years really struggled with the notion of broad is the way and many are they who find it, and reconciling that with the victory of Jesus over death, hell, and the grave. If Jesus is victorious, then why are there very few who get to join in his victory yeah. and the overwhelming majority Satan could then, at the end of the at the end of all time, say, "I outdid you." If it was, if it, like my a camp's card. bigger than your camp, oh, right. yeah. And um, so I've just struggled with: isn't there a way? I just so badly want there to be a way that Jesus kicks Satan so much in the teeth that he redeems it all. Yeah. Uh, and yet, I can't seem to find that. Jesus talked a lot about this. And I can't seem to find my way around that hell is real, and a lot of people are going to go there. Uh, but I don't want that to be true. So that's my current thing. I can't really get. I can't land on a confident conviction. 
Yeah. But I'm okay with that. I'm holding it, holding it open-handed. I don't need to know. Um, and to peek behind the curtain, we've contemplated doing an episode on this, but we don't know um, what that gives to you guys. We don't know what It'd you It'd be what, depressing. We'd yeah. be like, why would we send you into uh, <laughs> like the, the agony of, of what, we're, yeah, what we're going through? But if you, uh, we'd love to hear from you, as always. If, if that is something you'd like us to talk about, be sure to let us know, and we can... Uh, we can go through it on your on your behalf if you want. Yeah, yeah. But we got to still reconcile, reach some conviction of yeah. our own. Yeah, we do. Okay, with last two questions are a little more serious, John. So uh, number eight. Well, the, the hell question wasn't serious. <laughs> <or> the... <laughs> um, how do you? What advice do you have for mentoring or parenting non-Christian adult kids? So someone has a son or daughter, and they're adults and they're not believers. Do you have any advice for mentoring or parenting them well i've sure got a lot of experience in this arena (laughs) (laughs) um i actually this might be the only one that i tap out on i don't know if i have anything of really any worth to say on this even to put yourself uh like like, try this you've got some friends Uh that have really abandoned their faith yeah um and if you could think about their parents would you have a piece of advice for them on how to approach those guys not real. It's tough. Guy, adult guy friendships. Most of it, I think, in my friendships at least, we rely on a lot of um, a lot of autonomy, a lot of. Uh, and, and don't you, be my mommy. Don't right. be my boss. Don't you, be. You could call this a shallow friendship too. That, that there's not really any accountability either. Um, it's mostly just coming together for good times and then seeing them in a year. You know, which is a typical masculine relationship. I, I would, would say, say so. Yeah. yeah. So it's re- it is really hard for me to. We'll get it that way, even though I should as a as just a duty bearing, you know, Christ follower. Um, but no, and it's I I struggle with a kind of fatalistic view in these things. Where what can you do with an adult? And really, I think the only answer I could give is just straight raw prayer and incessant prayer, um, because you don't, you know, I I'm always afraid of. Um, scaring them away with being too preachy. They won't want to spend time with me because I'm not. I won't be fun right. to be around when right. I'm preachy. Right. So I, I think prayer is really the only thing I can point to and go that uh, that's really powerful, and it's not in their face. But I, lo- I think that's you know you you, you just crushed it, John. Hmm. Um, I think we totally underestimate the power of prayer, and therefore underutilize it. Yeah. So, and I'm uh, guilty. I'm for sure guilty of that. Yeah. Regardless of the kids. Yeah. So I would say number one is absolutely cry out to God for them. Um, I know I do, and for all my kids, and I believe it's a difference maker. So, uh, man, pray, 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 pray hard. I think also your advice about not being preachy is huge. Mm. You don't want them to dread seeing you coming. You don't want them to not look forward to spending time at your house. Sure. Uh, because if you lose the relationship, you've got no influence. So uh, a big part of this is surrendering them to their own journey and trusting that God wants them in his family more than you do. Yeah. So yeah. trust him. You know, he's capable. He's capable of bringing people into their lives. He's capable of creating the right moments. So the fact that you're so hijacked about it sometimes gives an indication that you're not trusting God. Yeah. So surrender them. And then I would say show lots of curiosity as to who they are, what they're thinking about, what they're going through. Listen, man, just be a listener. 
And uh, and the last thing I would say is um, ask permission before you give advice. One of my rules for myself is I don't want to give my kids unsolicited advice. Yeah. So if I die to give them some, I will ask them, would you, would you are you open to some advice on this topic? And my, that's good. And they have the advice. They have the freedom to say, no, I'm really not. I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah. Um, but to not be invasive is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Also, I think uh, you can. I, I do a thing with you guys uh, called the Word of the Day. I, Ooh, we yeah. use uh, we use an app called Marco Polo. And one of the things I love about that, my kids don't listen to all of them, but it's a chance for me to drop nuggets of uh, God thoughts or positivity or mentoring uh, into a daily, you know, 60 to 90 second video. And uh, again, it's another archive that they have of me if for I sure. drop dead someday. Uh, but it's also <laughs> a chance for me to keep shaping some thoughts that they're going to go through by just dropping it in chat. They're always positive. They're always encouraging. Um, but that would be another thing. And I, yeah, I think those, I mean, because we have these, this structure, that's another form of structure, structural yeah. communication with your kids. Yeah. Um, I, I like that a lot. The word of the day. All right. Last question, John. Uh huh. What do you, what advice do you have for a spouse? This is actually came from a female. So, uh, a wife submitting to an unbelieving husband. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for a wife? in terms of submission to an unbelieving husband or to a husband who is racked with fear. In other words, maybe he would say he believes, but he's totally owned by his fears and is not walking in faith with God. What advice would you have for a wife in that scenario? Yeah. Uh, I hate to just keep ringing the prayer bells, be like, well, just, just pray about it. You know? Um, and it's especially tough because it's, you know, if if you believe in a traditional biblical marriage structure, then there is like the the leader and the and the helper, and so especially if the faith balance is swapped there, that sounds especially difficult. Maybe even more so if it was the other way around. I'm not entirely sure, um, but I think most basically all of our modern um, evangelism is through actions and relationship, and so uh, theoretically. Again, this I feel the same way here as I do in the parenting conversation, where I don't really have anything to any any experience to access here. But theoretically, you have the most opportunity for evangelism through your actions, and um, I forget the other word I used, but uh, um, you have more exposure to this human than anybody. Mm-hmm. And as a man, we've talked about uh, men uh, having a hard time praying in front of their wives or being. Um, uh, especially spiritual in front of the wives because right. they're like, well, they've seen me at my worst. Right, they feel like phonies. Yeah, I'm going to be an absolute hypocrite when I do this. So I'm sure it goes both ways where they, you know that they know all the times you've messed up or been hard to deal with. Um, but they're, you know, the level of exposure and um, of... Uh, I'm missing words Well, there's here. a... Yeah, there's... Paul talks about uh, that you may you may win your unbelieving husband. Uh-huh. Through your through your submission, through your uh, love, through your honoring, exactly that your behaviors preach the gospel really loudly. Exactly, and so you you have more opportunities for that for that person than anybody else on the planet. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any any particular? I, I do. I have a couple of thoughts. Um, first of all, um, the submission word is a fascinating word, 
And it goes back to Genesis uh, 2 when Eve is created. Okay. And God says, I will make a help meet suitable for him. You used the word helper a moment ago. Yeah. And so um, then Ephesians talk about wives submitting to your husbands is under the Lord. So this notion of a wife being the help meet of her husband. And uh, what's fascinating is that word helper in Genesis 2 is Ezer Konegbo, and it is a word that is used to describe God. Oh, interesting. He is our ever-present help in a time of trouble. And so this is not a this is not a subservient role. Right. It's actually a powerful role. And uh, when I was young married, there was a, a senior female woman in our church who was a great counselor to me. And she would explain to uh, other women, your job is to help him. And sometimes mm. to help him, you have to confront him. Mm. Sometimes to help someone, you have to hold up a mirror. Sometimes to help someone, you have to be the bearer of difficult information. Sure. So don't consider that the helping role is only a subservient one or is only one that you're not allowed to have questions or challenges. Right. This is, wouldn't be the same advice as Paul gives to the uh, bond servants to, exactly. to honor your master, even if they're a cruel master. Yes. That is not the same, not the same not the type same of relationship. Deal. Right. The other thing I would say is 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul really encourages people who are married to unbelievers to live your life unashamedly for Christ. And if your unbelieving spouse sticks around, yay. If they say, I can't live like this, and they leave, then you're released. But what you can't do is compromise your own relationship with Christ to bring happiness to the marriage. Hmm. So be clearly Christian. Um, wives will say to me, I believe in tithing. My husband doesn't. He, he thinks the church is taking money, blah, blah, blah. And I say, then uh, if you earn a wage, tithe on your wage, but not on his. Um, sure. If you are a stay-at-home wife, then ask for a budget for groceries, uh, clothing for the kids, whatever, and tithe that, tithe off that. But this is a way you're demonstrating your submission to God, and God's going to bless you for it, and your husband is going to watch God bless you financially because of your obedience. It's a way for you to live overtly Christian in front of an unbelieving spouse. So uh, wow. don't weaken your demonstration of obedience to Jesus just because it makes your spouse more comfortable. Yeah, that's huge. All right. Uh, John, you got anything, uh, any thought in this entire episode of, well, let me just ask you, yeah. you know, two years, we're wrapping up two years together. Um, anything you want to say about two years of doing this or uh, it flew by, um, as most of my young adult life has since I got married, it's been, <laughs> we've been married three years this, uh, August and uh, we did a project before this where we, we put together a book called The Pursuit for Evergreen. And we've talked a lot about, about that. Um, so this kind of was an extension of that where yeah. we work, were working together and we we're like, we, it'd be fun to keep doing this in some capacity. So um, I think naively in the beginning, I was like, oh, and then it'll blow up and then we'll do this as a career and it'll make lots of money. Oh, and, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm not sad at all that it hasn't become that because we do get so much um more from it um but i'm just grateful we have any listeners at all really it's easy to get kind of down on ourselves i think we have a good 
this is good. I, I'm proud of what we put out. I am too. And uh, it's funny. The other day, uh, someone was telling me that they, you had made a comment on an episode about you hate something, a word. You hated a certain word. Uh-huh. And so this person was emailing with you, and they kept using that word over and over <laughs> and eventually put it in all caps, and you never got it. And I said, well, he doesn't realize anyone actually listens to our podcast. I was, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to roast somebody on an email for using a word I don't like. I'm not well, that petty. No, but they were using it to be funny, I to poke you. It happened, so so they said it once. I remember, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> said it once, and I was like, well, that was a weird thing to say. Yeah. And then, so, so they only said it twice. The second time was was both words immensely satisfying. That's right, right. So it only happened twice, and I caught it the second time. <laughs> I just responded with an eye-rolling emoji. Okay, uh, so. But it was very funny. Uh, you did tease that we would give updates on our projects. So let's finish with that. Well, let let me hear from you. What your two years. What do you well, I don't want to drag this out. No, I want. I want to know. Okay, two years, man. This is a big deal. It is a big deal. I've really loved it. Uh, I'm frankly surprised we haven't missed a single week in two years. I am very proud of that. I'm very yeah. proud of that. I think that we're having very meaningful conversations. Uh, scroll through the episodes and look at the topics and remember them. Uh-huh. I think that's a. It's it truly is a valuable resource to help people process things in their faith. Uh, so I'm really proud of the work we're doing. Um, I think if we would get off our butts and work a little harder at marketing and promoting, we could probably find more people to help. Um, so I do wish we had a, a bigger splash in the pond, not for not for income reasons, but just to just to make a bigger difference. Sure. But I'm loving it, and and I have said forever, if if we do it and nobody listens, uh, I still enjoy doing it because I love doing this with you. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, project update. If you will, if you were listening at the time and you remember, late last year we announced uh, two projects we were doing, and uh, we haven't talked about them since. So, uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. So, uh, what started for me as a children's book for very young children, for for just starting to read kind of age, or maybe a little older than that, maybe up to like you know second or third grade, uh, uh, and I wanted that to be done by Mother's Day. Neither of those things are happening anymore. So. Uh, I wasn't happy with it, and um, it was, was a cool of, concept. It was going to be a little Viking boy who yeah. keeps moving from island to island, and he's terrified of change. It was a great concept. Well, I thought it was going to be easy, and uh, and if it's really like uh, the, this is as frou frou as I get, is I just could it, I wasn't the I wasn't the guy to do it. Yeah. I, I would like that book to be made. I'm not the guy to do it. I was writing it, and I was like, this reads like. Charles Dickens for a kid, like you can't do that, and not not to not bragging wise. I just meant that I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to get get to that the, level of, to the level, yeah, of a kid, yeah. It, and I think it takes a lot of uh, research too. Yeah, that I that I wasn't really anyway. So, so how's it morphed? What, what are it you is doing now, now is a um, Narnia length book. It'll actually probably be shorter than that. I'm not. I'm not quite towards the end of it, but it'll be a good deal shorter than a Narnia book. But it'll be a chapter book. Uh, for young readers still. So it'll still be for, for your kids. Um, but more along the fifth grade kind of line. Yeah. You know, kind of into the into adolescence, into more understanding of yeah. things. Just think about if you would have your kid read Narnia, which, honestly, I read an Narnia book in third grade. So maybe that young even. Uh, but another big part of it is I don't know how kids work. I don't know what age kids could do certain <laughs> things. Um, but but uh, it, And it's also fantasy. But it'll be a chapter book, a, 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 a brief chapter book. And I would love for it to be a um, book club kind of thing for you and your kid. Yeah, so you fun. would both read it, uh, maybe a chapter uh, a week or something like that, and talk about it um, with each other. And uh, and 
There is no. Uh, you have a storyline you want to tease? No, I do not. No, oh, okay. I've, I've I've thought better of that. Uh, maybe closer to the end when I have like a synopsis or something. Okay. But, uh, uh, release date for that is TBD. Um, but I'm making really good progress. I'm I'm proud of it so far. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm doing what I just call a dad deck. I don't know a better term for it, but it is a deck of 52 cards. Each card is a conversation for a father and son or a father and daughter to have uh, on a wide range of topics. Um, much like the conversations you and I have had, John. For sure. And I've had a lot of people tell me, my friends who are men, I wish I'd had conversations like this with my dad and others who say, I wish I had conversations like this with my kids. Yeah. So I'm trying to create a simple tool where you can just pull a card out of the deck on a topic and it tells you everything you need to do, some questions to ask, sometimes an object lesson or a story, and uh, just to have a meaningful conversation with your kids. So uh, my goal was Father's Day. I have fallen behind. I have about 30 of the cards done. So a little over halfway. I still have to find an illustrator and a graphic designer to design the layout of each card. And then I've already found a printing company. So uh, it'll certainly be done. Uh, certainly. That's a scary thing to say. <laughs> sure. uh, the, but in time for uh, Christmas. Uh, I'm excited for those two. And, uh, and yeah, that's definitely more... Um, on brand, maybe I don't know how you'd say it. Oh but, yeah, yeah, but for uh, father and son conversations, or again, father and daughter, father and daughter, yeah, son and mother, daughter yeah. and mother, yeah. But I'm I'm really excited about that one too. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Hey, thanks for two years of listening. If you're new, um, thanks for listening. For, if it's even if this is your first week, for thanks sure. for joining uh, Team Upstream. And uh, you can email us info at jimandjohn dot com. No H in the John. You can go to our Instagram. Uh huh. At uh, Jim and John. And, and you can uh, private message us there, comment on our weekly post. Uh, and I sound like a broken record, but if you want to get us a two-year birthday gift, anniversary gift, just tell us something in the comments or in a message. Yeah. Email us. Just Email us hi. or direct message us. We got one. It meant the world to me, and it was just basically saying, um, I've, you're always telling us to reach out, so here's reaching out. I liked the last episode. That was the whole thing. Oh, there that meant that made like my whole week. Yeah. So seriously, anything at all, we love to hear from you guys, um, and we're we're so so grateful for uh, for you listening. And here's to year number three. We're going to kick it off next week, and uh, looking forward to it. So thanks for being on the team. Have a great rest of your day.